Well, good morning. It's just been a wonderful, wonderful week. Not too hot, not too cold. It's been great this week. I pray that you've had a wonderful week, that you've been able to rejoice in the Lord each and every day, because as the scripture says, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice in it. And I hope that you've found reason to rejoice, because God has given you another day to truly just be blessed by him. And I pray that you truly do enjoy a daily relationship with the Lord. There's no other way to live, really. Um, He does, really does, he really does carry your burdens. And he is someone who you can cast all your burdens upon, which allows you to really enjoy the day by giving things over to him. And uh, I just thank him for this time that we're going to have together. Uh, We're still in the book of Revelations. We're going to be looking at chapter uh, 17, 18, and 19, pulling some verses out of there. Uh, The main focus is going to be chapter 17, but we need to uh, back it with 18, 19, and a couple verses about chapter 20 covering Babylon. Now, Babylon is given a certain name, uh, the mystery of Babylon, the great mother of prostitution, and some uh, Bibles would say the great harlot. Um, The whole process, I think, is that Babylon is the cause of unfaithfulness to many, especially during this time of what would be called the tribulation that is going to be Babylon that was caused this unfaithfulness and this disruption that takes place but let's pray and let's get into the lesson father we want to thank you and praise you lord for this time that you've given unto us and we pray father you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears that we might receive from your holy spirit would he Uh, Teach us today as we sit and share with one another. I pray, Father, that you would uh, allow me to speak, allow those to hear, but yet, Lord, may they correspond with your Holy Spirit as we go through Scripture. May they speak and ask, God, is this true? Could this really take place? And I pray, Father, that you would communicate to those hearts that truly desire to know what you want them to know. You put it in this book. We don't know everything, but what is in here, you want us to know. So I pray, Father, that you would just minister to us now, and we'll give you praise, and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, again, I'm not going through Revelation, per se, uh, verse by verse, or Uh, chapter by chapter I'm hitting certain topics and uh, one of the topics here that we're hitting is Babylon Uh, we've talked about the three witnesses that God had um, the area of the 144,000 then the two prophets and then the angel who's going back and forth throughout the earth sharing this wonderful gospel, or as some would say, the gospel of judgment. 
we talked about the wedding feast and the bride and so forth. Uh, there's different sections that we have talked about. And now we're on this area, Babylon. Babylon in 17, some would say, is the religious Babylon. It's the religious part. In 18 would be your political commercial part. And that uh, 19 really shows the real judgment of God. Part of 18 and then 19 shows that real judgment of God upon Babylon. Oftentimes we think of Babylon as being a restored city or a restored country. Iraq, we know, was uh, rebuilding an area where Babylon was once built. Um, they were rebuilding the old Babylon from what uh, they thought it once was. And Babylon one time was a great, great nation. And it was very wealthy, but it had all these idols. It had all this false worship. And it was a gathering of many different gods, even. <clears throat> but as we look in 17.1, it tells us that John is there and the angel is going to show some things to John. And bring John to that place where he sees what Babylon is really about. And that's what we want to see. So in that verses 1 through 3, he says, One of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute. Now, Babylon is referred to as a great prostitute. Uh, this is referred to as a great adulterer. Uh, the whole thing is that it's talking it to us in a spiritual form in that when we see Israel in the Old Testament, God often accused Israel of adultery. And what he was talking about is Israel leaving the one true God for idol gods. Israel would leave God Jehovah for one of the neighboring countries' God or idols. And it was spiritual adultery. And this is mainly what he's talking about here. It's not talking about a man and a woman committing adultery. It is an unfaithful Israel or unfaithful, how you want to say it, organization, citizenship, a group of people that are unfaithful to the truth. Now, understand this. God always gives us truth. People have to be willing to accept it. And oftentimes we will struggle with it. But he says to John, come, I will show you. And God will always show us truth. Then we have to deal with it. And he says, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute 
who sits on many waters. O Babylon, set on many waters. Many canals ran through Babylon or under Babylon. <clears throat> and those canals which Babylon was built upon was of great wealth for Babylon because of the imports and exports that came into Babylon. It was a commercial center. But that's not really these many waters. I don't think it's talking about the old Babylon and what it was built upon. I think the many waters are many different nations were many different nations who fall under the influence of Babylon. And let me share with you this. I don't think Babylon is a city <clears throat> or is it a country. I think Babylon here symbolizes a philosophy, a teaching that is of the old Babylonian empire and of the people of that day. And Babylon is that whole area of idols and false gods. And that's why I think she is called the great prostitute because she's going to, through the philosophy or the teaching, lead many people astray. And Satan's going to use that philosophy or that teaching. Now, understand this. Morality and immorality are both taught. They're both taught. Somebody has to say it's all right for two people just to jump in the bed and two of this or two of that or whatever it is. Uh, and people really come to a place to think they're right in doing what they're doing. But that has been a taught behavior. The Bible says is wrong. God is going to allow so much sex to take place during this period. It's just going to be a crisis after crisis after crisis. Uh, man is going to have and women are going to have sex coming out as they used to say. You're going to get into it. It comes out your nose. He calls it the great prostitute. And when you look back at part of the old Babylonian religious part, there was also a lot of immoral acts and sex and so forth. But he says, this great prostitute who sits on many waters or many nations, go over to verse 15, listen to what he says in verse 15. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are people, multitudes, nations, and languages. In other words, it's, it's, this philosophy is going to go throughout many nations, many languages, many different groups of people. It's not a city. And I know some commentaries refer to it as the revived Roman Empire or they give some other country or whatever, but I think it's a philosophy that is going to be used by the Antichrist 
to spread. And it is powerful. It is powerful. Every philosophy, every teaching is powerful. And we need to understand that. And that's why it's so important that we get the right teaching and we understand the right philosophy. Because we can get something that is totally erroneous and false that it can do great damage to us. And that's where the power is at in many false philosophies is the damage that it does to the human life that God did not desire. And he says, with her, the kings of the earth committed adultery. Now, always remember, kings are rulers, and it's in the plural. So there's many so-called leaders, uh, presidents, prime ministers, kings, that have brought into this philosophy or into this way of life, this lifestyle of the Babylonian, of this prostitute that is being spread throughout the world. And it it says, with her the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated. In other words, it was powerful, it had a strong influence, many, many millions of people are going to follow it. He says it's intoxicated. Whenever you're intoxicated, you've been influenced by whatever that was that you were drinking. And it causes you to act totally different and behave differently. And that's what happens with this whole thing that is going to be taught by the the Antichrist, by the beast and the false prophet, that many people will accept and follow it. And he says, they committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. And they get caught up with this. And they become part of that. And that adultery becomes something that we begin to live out in the philosophy and the behavior that is totally against what God would have. Now, stay with me. Um, It is a tough subject to follow. I know I'm going against the grain with some in the area that Babylon is more of a philosophy than a literal city or state or country. Uh, Go back to Isaiah chapter 13 with me. And I want you to read there. And I want you to understand. um, The Mormons in Salt Lake City could be totally destroyed without dropping a bomb on them. If people begin to believe a false philosophy or form of religion different than Mormonism. Mormonism would just be done away with. Catholicism. Uh, We don't have to go to Rome and bomb Rome. 
to get rid of the Pope or Catholicism, a false philosophy or form of religion could cause everything over there to become nothing but a tourist attraction because Catholicism no longer exists because everyone is believing a lie or believing that which was taught against Catholicism. So you don't have to drop bombs to destroy something. You just have to teach something that people will accept and believe and follow. And many people will believe a lie, as scripture has said. So in Isaiah chapter 13, he's speaking about Babylon. And we're also going to look at Jeremiah 51. Some in that area speaking about Babylon. But catch what the Lord says here about Babylon in uh, Isaiah 13 and verse 19. Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, they were envied by many kingdoms because of their trade, because of their wealth. Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the glory of the Babylonians' pride, will be overthrown by God, like Sodom and Gomorrah. Then, look at verse 20. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. Now, I want you to understand that's one of the verses why I say I believe Babylon is more of a philosophy or religion or a way of life that is going to permeate and spread all over the world. And it goes on and it says in verse 3, then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. So in Revelation 17, in that verse 3, it says, there's a relationship between this woman, this prostitute, and this beast. And here's this relationship that the woman can ride or on this beast with no fear or problem, which again is that beast that we see in chapter 13 and 14. Uh, the one who really props up the Antichrist or the false image. And it says, The angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names. Blasphemous names. Blasphemous names. And all these names and all this stuff is against God. The blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The seven heads and ten horns are representing of kings and nations and so forth. So you look over into verse 16. It says, The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. 
They will bring her to ruins and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Uh, you can be having these relationships and see, you need to understand the thing about sin. Sin doesn't respect sin. Sinners don't respect sinners, per se. Whenever I can get a chance to take your place and be on a higher level, boy, sinners will take you out that they can be on that higher level. And that's these kings. But God has also put it in their hearts when you read verse 17 of chapter 17. For God has put it into their hearts. <coughs> Excuse me. God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beasts their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw in the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. But 16 tells us she only rules over them for a while. Why? They're going to eventually kill her. They're going to be the ones who bring her into bankruptcy, destruction. Those who trust her over here or go along with the philosophy to get what they want. And I want you to understand something here. Satan's going to give us or give humanity what they want. God doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. Big difference. Satan's not going to give us what we need. He's going to give us what we want. And then comes that destruction. That takes place in our lives because we were willing to believe a lie that he shared with us. He says, The angel carried me away in the spirit, in verse 3, into a desert, and there I saw a woman sitting on the scarlet beast having this relationship that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. These, this title was written on her forehead. Mystery, Babylon the Great the mother of prostitutes and of the abomination of the earth. But she held in her hand this cup filled with all this filth. If we think we have seen obscenities and filth in our nation and in different parts of the world today, we haven't seen it. Because this woman is going to cause those who follow her or this philosophy. And excuse me when I say woman is how scripture defines, but yet it's not a woman. It's a philosophy. It's a, it's a way of life. It's a system. It, it's a teaching that will take place. 
and says she had a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries the philosophy is filthy it is it's describing a character and a lifestyle in this time and it says on her forehead is written mystery babylon the great now go over to jeremiah 51 7 with me because this is a repeat of jeremiah 51 7 and uh, <clears throat> he says babylon was a gold cup in the lord's hand she made the whole earth drink and in revelation we're going to find the whole world is drinking now when we say the whole world we know that there are still those who are faithful to god but yet because of this philosophy and this teaching those who might be so-called religion religious those who are nominal christians they are going to kill those individuals who are faithful Christians. Those who will not believe this lie or this false teaching that comes forth from the beast. And he said, Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand. She made the whole earth drink. The nations drunk her wine or her teaching. Therefore, they have now gone mad. Does it look like our world is going mad? If it does, you need to ask this question. What are we believing? What are we believing? And that madness comes from what we're drinking or what we are being taught and the lifestyles that we're living look at chapter 18 revelations chapter 18 come down into verse 3 for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries what was in her cup and the filth of her adulteries they're believing all these philosophies about all these different other idols but they are totally rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ and his teaching but they're accepting all these new teachings and different teachings that comes through this prostitute or through Babylon in a sense that is represented as this harlot or prostitute. It's a philosophy, it's a teaching that has a powerful influence over those who will go through the tribulation and in this time period. It's a teaching that is totally immoral, a teaching that will totally discredit the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to understand a lot of that teaching is taking place today where Jesus Christ is totally being discredited 
and not being recognized as the true Savior of the world. Now, he says, Mystery Babylon. And I think the mystery is, is that it is that philosophy. It is a teaching. It's not a city. It's not a state. It's not a country. It's a philosophy that was taught way back with the Babylonians with all these idols and all these false teachings that takes place now during the tribulation. Babylon symbolizes the wickedness of the world. It, it symbolizes everything that hates God. It symbolizes. And it teaches that whole area of obscenities and it teaches impurities. It teaches immoral living which is taking place today. Um, my wife was talking with some kids and when I say kids I'm talking about six and seven year old and she introduced herself to the kids as Miss Brown and one of the kids asked her why Miss Brown and she said that's my husband's name Brown and I took on his name before I was married I was a Morgan and she was explaining and uh, the one little girl to make this story short she, she she came to a point and she just said to my wife you don't have to take on a man's name you just live with them but you don't have to change your name and my wife again just remember she's seven years old and, and just said well that's not the right way to do it but to even hear a seven year old say you don't have to take on a man's name. You just choose a man and live with them. Is that philosophy already being taught? Is that way of life already being taught as young as a six and seven year old? Because she was very strong, very adamant about it. That you don't have to do it this way. You can just do it this way. Just pick a man, live with him, and that's it. And she said, I'm not changing my name for any man. Is that a teaching? Is that something that's been drilled in? Is that something that somehow has been taught? That type of philosophy in such a young life. Babylon symbolizes Satan's power across the world and all that Satan has the ability to do and the abominations that are going to come forth out of this philosophy or this teaching that will take place during this time 
Now, once you look at another area, because see, Israel, because of this, Israel was warned, or the people of God was warned, to flee it, to get away from this teaching, get away from this philosophy, and to get away from death itself. Because again, if you didn't believe this philosophy, you could be put to death. If you didn't worship the image, you could be put to death. If you didn't accept what was being taught, you could not buy, you could not sell, you could not feed your family, you could not have shelter, and your life was constantly in danger. So when you look at 18, before we move down into verse 6, I want you to go over to chapter 18, Revelations 18, and if you would, I want you to look at verse 24. In her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all who have been killed on earth. Babylon. Babylon. In her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints. Come back over to Revelations chapter 17. Pick up with me in verse 6. I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. That tells us that there were believers. There were people who were following the Lord Jesus Christ. There were people who accept the Lord Jesus Christ during this time of what we call tribulation. And maybe that's all it is. It's the trial, the testing. But there are saints there. There are believers there. But they are forfeiting their lives because they believe the truth. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. They believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. There is no other. They believe that only in the name of Jesus, because there's only one name given under heaven and earth, whereby men must be saved. They believe that Jesus Christ came, lived upon earth, taught upon earth, died and rose on the third day was buried and rose on the third day for our justification they believed it and for that they would have to surrender their life and he says the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. That this mass killing that goes on of true believers. One person brings out that it may be also those who are the religious group and they would be considered religious. It didn't name them as Pharisees or this, but they are religious because they're following who? the image, they're following the, the beast, they're following this philosophy, this false teaching. So they are believing, and they could be nominal 
Christians believing and trying to intermix Christianity. See, you cannot intermix Christianity with some other type of philosophy. It's God's word and God's word only. And you can't mix Hinduism and Buddhism and this and that. And with this, you're going to be able to mix everything. Why? Because the Antichrist is out to please everybody. He wants everybody to come under this one world religion per se. You say, well, isn't that what Christianity wants? Christianity wants everyone to be saved. Period. And that, yes, is to believe in Jesus Christ. Everyone. Everyone. Yes. But where does Satan get that idea from? From God. That wants everyone to what? Reject the Savior, Jesus Christ. To reject the teachings of God. And he says, boy, I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints. The blood of those who bore catch this testimony to Jesus. They, they weren't robbing the store. They weren't killing anybody. They were doing what? Giving testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. There were those saints who were witnessing and sharing their love for the Lord. And because they did that, they would lose their life. That's going on today in many, many countries. That people who are sharing the love of Jesus Christ, they're doing it at the very risk of their life. But they're not ashamed of this gospel, for they know it's the power of God unto salvation. And they're going to speak the truth, because God has called them and equipped them to speak truth even at the expense of their own life, that they might die in doing so. And it says, the blood of those who bore testimony, who gave witness, and were not scared in this time to share the name of Jesus. Are we scared even today to speak of Jesus? And I'm not talking about someone just going around all the time just showing off their boldness or their, uh, they're not scared. They're not, uh, I'm not talking about radicalism. But even on your job, there's a time to do it. No, while you're doing your work, you do your work. But while you're on lunch, you can share Jesus Christ. While you're walking from one area to another area with a co-worker, you can share Jesus Christ. There's times in which God gives you opportunity that you can share the love of Christ. And you can do that. And I know sometimes it can be a little shaky, we can be a little fearful. I want to ask you to do this. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him direct you. He will. He'll even give you the words to speak. 
at that proper time. He'll do it. And right now, it won't cost you your life here in the United States. But somewhere, some places around the world, boy, they do it. And it may cost them their life. And it says, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Hmm. Now, we need to understand that. That every place is not free to share Christ. And even there, during this time of tribulation, it's not a freedom to share Christ. But if you are a believer, you're obligated to share Christ. Not about freedom. It's about an obligation that we have to the one who died for us. That we can present ourselves as a living sacrifice and sharing his name and telling what he has done for us in setting us free. He, he goes on now because of this teaching and so forth that takes place. Again, I want you to look over in 18, Revelations 18, just with me for a moment. And I want you to, let's go from 1 to 4. He says, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor, the angel, that it brightens the whole world somehow. Nobody's going to miss what is going to be said. When a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen, Babylon the great, she has come, she has become a home for, listen to the description of demons. Remember in Timothy, it says that demons teach, it's a philosophy, and Babylon, or this whole philosophy, is a place for what? For demons teaching. For demons to share with the world. She has become a home for demons. And a hunt for every evil. For every evil. Spirit. A hunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations all the nations, catch that plural, nations, have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery, the leadership and so forth, has committed adultery with her. And the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Isn't it amazing? that people grow rich off of pornography? Isn't it amazing that people grow rich over things that are done in the dark? Isn't it amazing that people become rich off of things that have to do with sex and so forth? They become millionaires and billionaires of a sin. And this philosophy is going to so take hold of people that it's going to spread throughout the whole world. 
the whole world. Not just one state, not just one city, but all the nations. And when you come back over in the verse 8 in Revelation 17, he says, The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come up out of the abyss and go to his destruction, the inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written, catch this, they have not been written in the book of life, from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because he was, he was, he once was, now is not, and yet will come. What is he talking about? He's not talking about Satan dying and then coming back to the resurrection. I don't think that like it was with the image in 14, in 13 and 14. I don't think it's talking about that. I think here we're talking about Satan himself. That he is going to be exactly what scripture says. He once was, now is not, and yet will come. It's said twice. So when you come down to verse 11, it says, The beast was once was, and now is not. Now is not. Is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. That Satan is going to come forth again, mass a large army, and kings will follow. And they're going to go forth to try to destroy the Lamb. Now, just stay with me a little bit, and then we're going to go back. He says, the ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received the kingdom. They have not yet received the kingdom, but yet this future that we're talking about is going to take place. But who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They're going to become kings for one hour during this one last great battle. And they have one purpose. Now he tells us what the purpose is. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war against the lamb. But the lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, faithful followers. That's us. With him, we're going to be with him. And we're going to see this take place. The total annihilation or the destruction of this whole system that Satan has tried to put forth through this thing called Babylon or this mysterious harlot 
or great prostitute. We're going to see it totally, totally destroyed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, let's go back and talk a little bit about that once was, now is not, and yet to come. Go to Revelation 19, 19 and 20. Revelations 19, 19 and 20. Oh boy. He says, Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together. What were they going to do? They're going to give him their power. Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider of the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophets who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorge themselves on their flesh. Last battle. Who wins? The Lord. But now, let's again, let's look at verse 20. Because Satan was, for a little while, he sets up the image, the beast, the false prophet. Satan's behind all that. Look what it says in 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon. He seized the dragon. That ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free he must be set free for a short time. Now, go back to chapter 17 with me. And again, look what he says. Uh, the beast, in verse 11, the beast who once was and now is, not and now is not locked up for a thousand years Satan cannot hinder anymore he's locked up is an eighth king he belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction now stay with me the ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom but who for one hour 
will receive authority as kings alone with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast and they will make war against the lamb for the last time. For the last time, they make war against the lamb. Now, we need to understand that Satan is bound for a thousand years. He is then is not he's off the scene for a thousand years and then he returns after that thousand years he comes forth from the abyss and that is something that people need to really take note of that Satan is behind all of this and I know for some of you, you may say, there is no Satan. To believe that lie allows you to believe all the other lies that Satan will tell. There is a Satan who will set up an Antichrist to bring about false teaching, false religion, Behavior that is abominable. Behavior that people no longer will feel shameful about. It will be a freedom given to them by Satan to do whatever they so desire. But it only lasts for a little while. It only lasts for a little while. <clears throat> Understand that. Sin only leads to death and destruction. And it only lasts for a little while. You're going to pay more than you really want to pay. And most likely sin will captivate you longer than what you want to stay. And it will cause pain in your heart that no medicine can relieve. No human voice can relieve it. But only, only a work of the Lord can relieve it and set you free from that sin. I want you to understand, look at verse 8 again. The beast which you saw once was, now is, not, and will come up out of the abyss. What was Satan put in the abyss for a thousand years? And Revelation 17, 8 says, he comes out of the abyss. And that should describe to us this Antichrist, this Satan, who wants to destroy all the teaching that God desires to teach his people.
God wants to teach you. He don't want to control you. He wants to teach you. And in teaching, you learn to make the right decisions. It's in his teaching that you learn to love him. He don't have to make you love him. You love him because he shares truth with you. You love him because he takes blinders off your eyes to things and allow you to see the truth. You love him because you begin to recognize he first loved you. Boy, that's powerful. That Christ loved me while I was yet a sinner. He loved me. He loves you. In spite of what you may think about him or believe about him, he loves you. And you won't know how much he loves you until you are ready to surrender your life to him and allow him to show you really how much he loves you. But Babylon here, it is a teaching, it is a philosophy, a way of life, a behavior that is going to permeate the world. And it's not just going to start during the time of tribulation. I believe it's already started. That this false teaching is already here. And what really somewhat grasps in this false teaching is simply this. You can live life however you want it. And there is no God that you have to give an account to. You can live life and you can make as many babies. You can sleep with as many men. You can use any kind of drugs you want to use. You can do it all. And there's no one you have to give an account to. Let me close by saying this. Every person born will give an account to God. Believer and non-believer. We will all give an account to God about this life that we have lived. And I pray that you will understand I'm no better than the worst of sinners. The only difference is is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ makes a difference by justifying us. And he who knew no sin became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. Yes, we all will give an account. But I will hope that you'll get into Revelation 17, 18, 19, and 20 and just go back over the verses that we went through because it's so important to see. But understand in that verse 8 where it says, and will come up out of the abyss is an indication of who he's talking about 
when you go over into 20 and understand where Satan was put in the abyss. Tie scripture together that we can see it. Look at scripture. Study scripture. Don't take my word on it. Uh, Don't take my word. Don't take any man's word on it because it's your soul. It's your soul that has to give an account to God. And I pray that you will search it out and you will be led of the Holy Spirit and that you will know for yourself the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for ministering to us and guiding us from through scripture, Lord, that we might see and we might have understanding. Help us to realize that Babylon is not so much a place, but it's a philosophy, it's a way of life that will permeate the whole world during the time of tribulation and may be permeating the world even today. Help us to see, O God, that you're the one who wants to give truth to us and that, Lord, we are the ones who have to be willing to hear it. Take the blinders off our eyes. Open our ears to hear. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Minister to us. Thank you for those who might hear this message. Would you, O God, speak to their hearts? And Lord, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for just giving me the privilege of sharing with you the thoughts of Scripture and what Scripture says. I'm no great theologian. I'm no great pastor. I'm a pastor who just loves the Lord and loves this Word of God. There's much in here I don't know and I'm still searching. But if you're willing to get into this, if you're willing to get into this Word, it will either push you away from Jesus or it will draw you, draw you, draw you closer than you've ever been to him if you're willing to get into this. And again, I thank you for the privilege of allowing me to share with you. God bless you and may God keep you. See you next week. Amen.